I'm Bruce Worson, pastor of His Place Community Church. The following message came from a Sunday morning right here at His Place. Would you like a Mediterranean getaway? For say, three months. All expenses paid, fed, pampered, like a god, small g, lavished with every honor you can imagine. Would you like that? Or would you prefer, let's say, an old Roman dungeon? Guess which one Paul chose? Because I've never noticed he had his choice. He had his choice. Last Sunday, we saw that sharing our faith is hindered when we underestimate the power of God's cure for death, or if we underestimate the need for it, or if we lack the compassion for those around us to just learn the basics to share Jesus simply, uh, plainly, and clearly. But then during Q&A, someone texted in, no and I got talking, realized there's a fourth huge hindrance after, for for anyone who who knows the power and, and knows the need and has the compassion, there's a fourth big hindrance, and that is lacking the boldness, lacking the boldness. And Noah Uh, as I mentioned, ended his sermon enticing us to read the rest of Paul's shipwreck story. So I did. Take a look. This, by the way, is really cool. Recently discovered as part of what's being called the archaeological discovery of ever, but I can't get into it. This this is a recently discovered 2,000-year-old Roman shipwreck from Paul's day with its steering tiller and ropes, rudder, Still intact. Here's a composite of over a thousand photos. It's the only way they could get a a full picture. That thing's a lot bigger than you're thinking it is. It's a huge old Roman ship. Uh, It's been preserved deep in the oxygen-free Black Sea. There's no other sea like it. It has a layer of salt water down on the bottom and 150 feet of fresh water, and it compresses it. It's the only place this can happen. They've found over 60 other ships. Check out this ornate steering gear with its 1,200-year-old ropes still in place. Nothing's rotting. Nothing's going away. Cloth, rope is all there. It's crazy. Anyway, back to Paul. At this point in Paul's story, Paul's whole heart, just don't let the blue overwhelm you. Try to kind of follow it. I'm going to see if I can sum up your entire sermon right here. At this point, Paul's whole heart, which is his God-given passion and mission, is that by some means, he may find a way in the will of God to get to Rome. That they may be established and both may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. How how am I doing? I'm going to get the whole thing here. That he might have a harvest as a bondservant of the good news of God's son. Now, as I said, I hadn't realized how Paul's shipwreck story is actually about the Lord sending him to Temptation Island. When you see, you can't unsee it though once you see it. So now I got to read it to you. And I'm telling you, back in the Bible days, you may not be aware of this. Folks didn't go to church to hear a sermon. That is a modern convention, what we do. They went, which I would prefer, they went to have the Bible read to them because they were mostly illiterate and couldn't read it. That's why they went to church. But nowadays, being very literate, we don't read it because we're mostly busy 
and distracted and lazy and mostly just don't want to read it. You have to know my life's quest is to convince you of the truth that God's word is a great read if if you approach it first and foremost as a child simply relaxing and reading or listening to discover and absorb the accounts and the folks involved because our father really promises us if we load his stories in our heart this is why we just have no excuse if we load his stories in our heart, we have ears to hear him when he speaks. So now, the story of Temptation Island was written by Dr. Luke. He's like the Apostle Paul's uh, Watson to Sherlock. Uh, it's written by Dr. Luke, who joined Paul's quest and kept a log of their high seas adventures and their land adventures as well. We call it the Book of Acts, the Acts of the Apostles. But it's just his journal. So let's read... What Luke wrote, likely on the deck of a gently swaying, rowing and sailing ship, like this one. When it was decided that we would sail for Italy, Paul and some other prisoners were handed over to a centurion named Julius, who belonged to the Imperial Regiment. Very impressive. We boarded a ship at Caesarea, right here. And we put out to sea. Now Aristarchus, a Macedonian from Thessalonica, was with us. The Thessalonians have two letters in the New Testament. First and second. Thessalonians. Very good. There will be a test. The next day, the next day we landed at Sidon. Right here. And Julius, the centurion, in kindness to Paul, allowed him to go to his friends. <laughs> you don't see that often happen with a prisoner allowed him to go see his friends so they might provide for his needs. You see, Julius liked Paul and respected Paul and trusted Paul and gave Paul every chance to get away and go free, as you'll see. Well, from there, we put out to sea again, and we landed at Myra in Lycia. There, Julius the centurion found an Alexandrian ship, a cargo ship, uh, sailing for Italy and put us on board. We moved along the coast with difficulty and came to a place called Fairhavens, like Bellingham. <laughs> much time, much time had been lost, and sailing was all where were we at? Much time had been lost, and sailing had already become dangerous because by now it was after the fast, which is the Jewish Day of Atonement, clear in October. So Paul warned them, men. I can see that our voyage is going to be disastrous, bring great loss to ship and cargo and our, uh, to our own lives also. But Julius, the centurion, instead of listening to what Paul said, well, he followed the advice of the pilot and the owner of the ship. And since the harbor was unsuitable to winter in, the majority of the 276 on board decided that we should sail on, hoping to reach Phoenix and winter there. I think a lot of you do that as well. Uh, so, so they weighed anchor and sailed along. Uh, so they weighed anchor and sailed along the shore of Crete. Before long, very long. I've got to get my voices straight. <laughs> sloppy. Before very long, a wind of hurricane force called the Northeaster swept down from the island. The ship was caught by the storm. The men passed ropes under the ship itself to hold it together. 
Well, fearing that they would run aground on the sandbars of Surtis, they lowered the sea anchor and let the ship be driven along. We took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day they began to throw the cargo overboard. Now, on the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard, heavy as it was, with their own hands. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved, which is how the Lord often gets our attention. After the men had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and said, Men, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. This isn't an I told you so. This is a please take my advice this time. Uh, but now I urge you to keep up your courage because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. So it's a good news, bad news kind of thing. Last night, Paul says, an angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, stood beside me and said, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar. Again, a good news, bad news kind of thing. And God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that he, it will happen just as he told me. Nevertheless, P.S., we must run aground on some island. Seems, seems God's got an unscheduled stop for us, which is how he often schedules our divine appointments. Well, on the 14th night, we were still being driven across the Adriatic Sea when about midnight, the sailors sensed they were approaching land. They took soundings and found that the water was 120 feet deep. A short time later, they took soundings again and found it was 90 feet. Now, fearing that we would be dashed against the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for daylight. Well, they're praying, but not for God's will. You see, in an attempt to escape from the ship, the sailors left, let the lifeboat down into the sea, pretending they were going to uh, lower some anchors from the bow. Then Paul said to Julius the centurion and to the soldiers, unless these men stay with the ship, you cannot be saved. Mostly because they're the sailors. So the soldiers cut the ropes that held the lifeboat and let it fall away. Just before dawn, Paul urged them all to eat. For the last 14 days, he said, you have been in constant suspense and have gone without food. You haven't eaten anything. Now I urge you to take some food. You need it to survive because not one of you will lose a single hair from his head. And after he said this, he took some bread and gave thanks to God in front of them all. Huh. Then he broke it and began to eat. Well, they were all encouraged and ate some food themselves. Altogether, there were 276 of us on board. When they had eaten as much as they wanted, they lightened the ship by throwing the, the grain into the sea. And when daylight came, they did not recognize the land. But they saw a bay with a sandy beach where they decided to run the ship aground if they could. So cutting loose the anchors, they left them in the sea. And at that same time, untied the ropes that held the rudders. Then 
they hoisted the foresail to the wind and made for the beach. But the ship struck a sandbar and run aground. The bow stuck fast and would not move and, and the stern was broken to pieces by the pounding of the surf. Now the soldiers planned to kill the prisoners to prevent any of them from swimming away and escaping. But Julius, the centurion, wanted to spare Paul's life and being imperial, thank the Lord, kept them from carrying out their plan. So he ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first to get to land. The rest were to get there on planks or on pieces of the ship. And in this way, everyone reached land in safety. Once safely on shore, we found out that the island was called Malta. Malta. 70 degrees in the winter. And the islanders showed us unusual kindness. Well, they built a fire and welcomed us all because it was raining and cold. Paul gathered a pile of brushwood, and as he put it on the fire, a viper, driven out by the heat, fastened itself on his hand. Another divine appointment, by the way, to get their attention, and boy, does it work. When the islanders saw the snake hanging from his hand, they said to each other, well, this man uh, must be a murderer. For though he escaped from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. But Paul shook the snake off into the fire and suffered no ill effects. The people now expected him to swell up or suddenly fall dead. But after waiting a long time and seeing nothing unusual happen to him, well, they changed their minds and said he was a god. I guess it's one or the other. Now, there was an estate nearby that belonged to Publius, the chief official of the island, likely a Roman outpost. He welcomed us to, the, to his home and for three days entertained us hospitably. That's a multi meal. His father was sick in bed, suffering from fever and dysentery. Paul went in to see him and after prayer placed his snake-bitten hands on him and healed him. When this had happened, the rest of the island came and were cured. They honored us in many ways for three whole months, that's 90 days. And when we were ready to sail from paradise to impending prison, well, they furnished us with the supplies we needed. After three months, we put out to sea in a ship that had wintered in the island. So they were there also the, the whole time. There was an Alexandrian ship with the figurehead of the twin gods, Castor and Pollux. Just pause. Good old Castor and Pollux. Paul's, Paul's ever-present this whole time. He's on his island. His ever-present reminders of the idolatry that permeates our world. The world he'd been called to cure. You ever said anything like, I'm a Castor and Pollux? What are you? I'm a Castor and Pollux. You ever say that? I'm a... Or are you probably used their other name, Gemini. I'm a Taurus. You have... Some of you got to be a Castor and Pollux. You know... Finding our way in God's will will inevitably include what I think the message of this story is. Struggling with temptations that come from blessings that test and strengthen and train our faith. I mean, my goodness, God put Paul on a Mediterranean island, gave him godlike status for three months with a chief official who owes his father's life to Paul. 
sailors and soldiers who owe their own lives to Paul. Awestruck islanders praising a miracle worker. And Julius, who, according to Acts 26, 32, was representing those who wanted Paul to stop legally appealing to see Caesar so they could set him free because they didn't want to send Paul to Caesar because it's embarrassing. He wants him to go. And now, with knowing all that, what well, remind me, what was that angel saying back on that ship during the storm about needing to stand trial before Caesar? Which includes maybe dying in a dungeon. It'd be, take a couple of years waiting one way or the other. Because it'd sure be easy to ignore that sandy shore. So enjoy your blessings, but don't let them take you off course. Because when we make it through our storms, of which we all have, we tend to settle for the blessings we currently have, rather than pressing on ever deeper into the unknown will of God for his kingdom. Two things get in our way when it comes to his will. We've talked about facing our fears, but there's another, denying our desires. And we need courage and boldness for both. So what's holding you back? What's holding you back? I don't know what your call is. Only you, that's between you and God. But what's holding you back? Fear of the unknown or knowing what you'd need to leave behind if you really, if you really gave it your all? Paul's got to be thinking, I could sure settle for this little slice of heaven. Oh my goodness. But more than anything, he wanted God's will with his whole heart. And he had asked God to get him to Rome any way he could and give him a harvest. And he knew if we just keep pushing through, we will find God's will and our created purpose joining together in ways we couldn't have imagined. Well, writes Luke, we reached Puteoli. And there we found some brothers who invited us to spend a week with them, which Julius, the imperial centurion, allowed. You go. Why does this guy keep coming back? <laughs> and so we came to Rome. Now, the brothers there had heard that we were coming, and they traveled as far as the form of Appius in the three taverns. You know the three taverns? Everyone likes the three taverns. They traveled as far as the three taverns to meet us. At the sight of these men, Paul thanked God and was encouraged. Yeah, more so than he had imagined when he wrote, and we saw it last week, how he anticipated the mutual encouragement of their stories of faith. And you talk about a story of faith. Look at the island he just left. And when, we, uh, and when we got to Rome, writes Dr. Luke, amazed and elated, I'm sure, because Paul was allowed to live by himself with a soldier to guard him. An unexpected gift that God gave him after Paul traded an island paradise for a Roman dungeon. By the way, 2,000-year-old Roman apartments right there. Three days later, he called together the leaders of the Jews. When they had assembled, Paul said to them, My brothers, it is because of the hope of Israel that I am bound with this chain. Because I could have stayed on this sweet little island. And they replied, We want to hear what your views are. For we know that people everywhere are talking against this sect. That's our sect. It's Christianity. Well, they arranged to meet Paul on a certain day and came in even larger numbers from morning 
till evening. He explained and declared to them the kingdom of God and tried to convince them about Jesus from the law of Moses and from the prophets. Some were convinced by what he said, but others would not believe. But for two years, two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house. And welcomed all who came to see him. Boldly and without hindrance, he preached the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what he traded those sandy beaches for. I've never seen that. That's what he traded for, though he had no idea at the time how it was all going to shake out. He thought he was going to a Roman dungeon. All he knew on that beach, looking at those two false gods on that ship, that's going to take him to a dungeon that he doesn't need to go to. All he knew is what you and I know. Saints got to serve. And you got to. Saints got to serve. Especially a bond servant who's been set free and chooses to keep following his loving Lord. Especially if it's the Lord. The Lord of Lords. And Paul indeed received that. I mean received the harvest. My goodness we're part of his harvest. 2,000 years later. His harvest is still coming in. He indeed received that harvest that he had so longed for, thanks in large part to Malta Island. Here's how he explains it to the Philippians. To all the saints in Christ Jesus, whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all, all of you, share in God's grace with me. And I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. As a result, you see, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. That's for sure. Old Julius, he's a key in this story. Old Julius likely loved to tell the story of the prisoner who saved every last sailor and soldier and prisoner. Uh, every pass, 276 pass, unfazed by a deadly snake bite. Uh, the guy miraculously healed every illness and disease on that island. Well, they treated us like gods for three months. Every Roman's wildest dream. And all because of him. Well, his faith. I mean, could have stayed. I'd have let him. Nobody wanted to send him to Caesar. But when the time came, he just put out his hands for the chains and said, time to be on our way. (laughs) Well, writes Paul, because of my chains, he further explains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. So if you lack boldness, did you know we're actually told in scripture to look to Paul as he looks to Christ. Writing, through your prayers and the help given by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. He defines it a lot differently than we do. I eagerly expect and hope that I will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For, and here's the big secret, for his confidence in his deliverance, To me, to live is Christ. Yeah, to live is all about Christ. And to die, well, that's to be with him. And that's a gain. So how can I lose? 
Delivered either way. You see, Temptation Island wasn't Paul's passion. It wasn't his purpose. No, he recognized it for the blessed little break that it was. And then it was back to his true passion and purpose, which was living or dying for Christ. Anything else, even paradise itself, would eventually bring a deep sense of discontent that many of us feel. Which is why you gotta get off your lazy island and get back in God's will. And whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Stand firm in one spirit, for it has been granted to you and you and you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for him. Since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had. But I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Whether well-fed for those three months or hungry for those 14 days. Whether living in plenty, and I mean plenty, or in want. Paul literally had everything. But who has ever pictured Paul and Luke sitting on an island beach sipping samadas for three months and then leaving it all behind for a dungeon. Talk about a story of faith. Samadas, uh, by the way, are a sweet almond-based signature Mediterranean island beverage. So Paul's secret is this. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. And because of this, when Paul signs off, he gets to say, all the saints send you greetings, but especially those who belong to Caesar's household. Paul learned the secret of being truly, courageously, boldly content. Have you? Time we pray and be on our way. Father God, we love you and worship you and look forward to our next divine appointment. Holy Spirit, inspire us to live out our faith more courageously and fearlessly. Lord Jesus, we declare in praise right now that you are our truest and deepest passion and purpose. And everybody said, amen. Well, thanks for listening in. Why don't you join us on a Sunday morning? If you'd like more information about the church, just point your browser to hisplacechurch.com. Until next time, may the Lord bless you, keep you, and make his face shine upon you.